You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Today, the message is entitled, Revisiting the Romans Road. Revisiting the Romans Road. And you'll understand what that means more as we go on, but I'll pray and then I'll lead you in the prayer. Father, thank you for your good news and your amazing grace. Open up our eyes to it afresh this morning. Let us hear your voice. Let your word work in people's lives and hearts. Do that miracle of causing people to be born of your spirit. And give me the grace to share what you want me to share. Open ears, open eyes. Have your way. Let this get into the the homes and the hearts of those who need to hear it, and sharpen our swords this morning. Sharpen our swords in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now let's put our hands on our hearts and pray with me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. So revisiting the Romans road. Uh, Near the end, I'll give you a handout. Uh, I printed out the recent infographic. We've got a dog visiting us. So all's happening here. We meet in a park if you're listening to this (laughs) online. So today, we'll revisit the Romans Road. For those unfamiliar with the Romans Road, it's a simple yet effective way to introduce someone to the good news. It begins in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, and then goes to Romans 3, 23. So let's, uh, yeah, let's begin by reading Romans 3, 10. Romans chapter 3, verse 10, and then we'll read Romans 3, 23. So a very... Um, a very short verse here. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. I'll even go on and read a few more verses. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. So this is reading verses 10 through 12 of chapter 3. So, Uh, Quite a bleak picture, but a very true and honest picture of humanity according to God's eyes and what he sees. And then we see in Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Of God. So that's the beginning of this Romans road here. And I'd encourage you to memorize the Romans road. Keep it as a tool. Keep it as a tool in your toolbox. So keep it as a tool in your toolbox. As you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you'll know when to use this tool. And walking through Scripture with someone is a great way to introduce them to the Bible and its message. So walking through this Romans road, which I'm going to teach you this morning, is a great way to introduce the Bible and its message. Last Monday, 
Last Monday, the Lord had me revisit the Romans road. I sensed the Holy Spirit inspired me to read it in the original Greek and translate it. And yes, this has been a reoccurring theme in my life, going back to the original text and sharpening any dull ways of thinking because we can get overly familiar with the Scripture. And so it was all about sharpening any dull ways of thinking and revisiting this Romans road. And uh, I was planning on sharing something different this morning, and then the Lord led me down this path. Now, this is where I grew up. This is uh, the house I grew up in. Now it's a little bit more modernized, but this is uh, back in Long Island, New York. And uh, they built this circular drive. The people who bought it after my family bought it built this circular driveway. Of course, there was no solar panels when I was growing up. But this is the uh, house I grew up in. I got this off of Google Maps. That was the, the bedroom there in the right-hand uh, corner at that bedroom. I would pray and seek God, and God revealed his glory to me. But before God revealed his glory to me, I don't know if you can see above the garage, there is a window here, and that used to be my room. Uh, and I used to have the shades filled with maps from the uh, neighborhood, and I made these maps and little secret hideouts where I should go, and I would be able to pull that shade down and pull, pull it up so nobody would see it, then pull it down. And then I would sneak out that window onto the garage, then down onto the fence. The fence was, uh, it, it was back more, and I would sneak down on the fence, and that's how I'd get into the neighborhood. Now, uh, no, I don't, Quelly, I don't encourage you to do something like that, but <laughs> that, was, that was me uh, growing up. And my parents uh, grew up in, well, my mom grew up in Morocco, then she moved to Brooklyn. My dad grew up in Brooklyn, and when my mom and dad uh, got married, they lived in Brooklyn and then Queens, and uh, their, their real hope, and a lot of people in New York, is to get property on Long Island, and they were developing all these areas. This was one of these areas that they were developing, building new houses, and then my dad and mom moved into this house on Long Island. Now, this is the place where I found Jesus. Uh, and I remember laying on the bed and Jesus revealing himself to me after I began to hear the good news and people talk about the good news. Uh, in, instead of this big driveway here, there was a, it was a big grass area fenced in, and the whole neighborhood would come to this place uh, we had soccer games there, volleyball games there, uh, boxing, karate, breakdancing. The whole neighborhood would come. My mom had a, a warm, open heart where the other parents said, we're not letting the dirty kids into our house and treading mud and dirt everywhere. But my mom said, everybody is welcome into our house and the home, it was like the hub of the neighborhood. And my mom was like that. That's why when her funeral came, everybody came to her funeral. She just had an open heart. Every, all the kids were running in and playing there. Of course, she complained about it sometimes. All these kids, but uh, she complained about it at times, but she still, our house was uh, a home for, I mean, a hub for the whole area there. And I'm grateful for that. It was a good, good childhood. So I was planning to share uh, another message, but then in, on Monday morning, the Lord began to lead me on this Romans road. And I wanted to be sure. I wanted to be sure, is this the message that God wanted me to preach? So on Friday morning, I prayed again about it. Immediately, my mind had a flashback to my childhood and a painter painting our house on Long Island, New York. This is far, uh, far before me knowing personally Jesus. And I had this 
picture of this painter painting my house. And it, it was, it's a memory that I haven't thought of too much. But he was painting the house, and, and then after he painted the house, he uh, pulled my parents uh, aside, or, or he, he uh, said, can I talk with you? And they were talking at the kitchen table. I can remember it quite clearly. It was at this house. That's why I'm showing it. At that time, I didn't know anything about the good news. After the painter painted the house, he sat down with my parents and had a serious conversation. And I remember the seriousness of the conversation, the sobriety of it, and so I was interested. Uh, later he left and I asked my dad, what was he talking about? Oh, my dad said, he's a born-again Christian. He was talking to us about Jesus. Now, I grew up in a Catholic family. Uh, we went to church every Sunday, but some, at least the Catholic tradition in Long Island, they would read the scripture, and I'm very grateful for that. They would re read the scripture, but there was no commentary or preaching from the scripture, so you didn't really hear the good news, and you didn't hear much about being born again. But this man was talking quite seriously with my parents about being uh, born again, and so it struck me, I, I, what's this term, born again? What does it mean to be a born again Christian? And I never heard of born again, I never heard of born again Christians. Uh, yet the general attitude on Long Island at that time was that it was the drug addicts and thieves and gang members and prostitutes that needed to be born again. A good person like myself, and I put good in quotes there, a good person like myself didn't need it. And I remember when I asked Jesus to save me, and he did, uh, and then I remember the family members saying, well, Glenn, you don't need it. You're a straight-A student. You're a good person. You don't get in any trouble. Uh, I did get in a little bit of trouble here and there, but no major trouble. You're a good person. And so the general attitude was then, is, was back then, was that, yeah, the drug addicts, the thieves, the prostitutes, yeah, they could be born again, but the good people don't need it. A good person like myself or others don't need it. However, John 3, 1 through 14 tells a different story. So I'd like us to turn there, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. It tells a different story, and you may know it, about Nicodemus. And the interesting thing about Nicodemus is that he was a good, upright, moral man. So Jesus' message calling us to be born again was initially spoken to Nicodemus, one of Israel's most religious devout and morally upright men. So he was re religiously devout, morally upright. And here is the mess, and this is what Jesus told them. So he wasn't talking to someone that was deemed by society as needing salvation. He was talking to the ones that they would think, oh, this guy's all okay. Uh, John 3, 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nic Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Verse 4. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. So he was shocked by what Jesus said. You cannot see the kingdom unless you're born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. So notice Jesus said, you must be born again. 
Again, when I was young, I found that surprising uh, that Jesus himself said that. You must be born again. And when he's saying that, he's not trying to start a religion like born-again Christian religion. He's saying that everybody needs to be born again. Uh, verse 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus says, how can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But, in, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the, in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So I'm not here to explain it all to you, just to highlight right now that Jesus said you must be born again. And this was a message spoken to Nicodemus, Nicodemus thought by society as a very good moral person. So yes, the good news is for those in extreme forms of sin. It is for them that are in extreme forms of sin, but also for the ones we deem good. Because God sees through our goodness and he knows our heart. And, and, and remember, we started off, for all have sinned. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he's talking about all peoples, Jews and Gentiles or whatever nation you're from, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, Matthew 21, 31, I want you to see here that even for those who are in what uh, we deem to be really um, dark sins, we see that Jesus said something. This parable is very interesting. Matthew, we'll, start the, we'll do the whole parable. Matthew 21, verse 28. Jesus says, what do you think? There there was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. So one said one thing and did another. And the other said another thing and did the opposite. Which of the two did what his father wanted? And... They answered, the first, the one who said, I'm not going to do it, but then he went and did it. He did what the Father wanted. And Jesus used this to illustrate a point. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Well, the tax collectors were known as corrupt and taking more money and bribes and, and extorting the people. Well, he says here, truly I tell you, the tax collectors... And the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. So again, the salvation is for everyone. And it goes past what we see. How does the miracle of new birth happen? And how can you be born again? This is the question that I'd like to answer. How does the miracle of new birth happen? And how can you be born again? So we'll start with Romans 10, 14. And for us here, I see it as God wanting to sharpen our swords and equip us to share the good news. And notice what Paul says here in Romans 10, 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet 
of those who bring good news. Now notice the progression there. He's saying, how can they, in order to be saved, they need to call on the name of the Lord. That's what came before this. But he's bringing this question, how can they call on the name of the Lord uh, if they have not believed in him? And then how are they going to believe unless they hear? And then how are they going to hear unless someone preaches to them? Now, who are the ones that are called to preach to them so this miracle of being born again happens? Who? Us. Us. We should have answered that a lot quicker. We are the preachers that God is sending. And it's not for official pastors. It's for all of us. And without us preaching the message, the seeds will not be sown. So again, another parable that Jesus often used is he talked about the seed being the word of God and the seed has to be sown. Well, each of us needs to go into our day with our patch full of seed. And that is the word of God to sow because there will be no fruit there will be no crop unless we sow the seed. And so this is what Paul is trying to bring out here. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And then how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, then it goes on. I'll read a little bit more here than I was planning. Or I guess I was planning to read it because I have it up to 17 here. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Israel says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. So where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing the message. So the message needs to be heard we need to realize that the power of the word of God in our mouth has power to produce life. And that is people being born again and being made new. And this is why the enemy wants to stifle and uh, put a muzzle over our mouths. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. The NIV says the word about Christ. I like to say the word of Christ. It's Christ's word. The message is heard through Christ's word. So now we have to know what is, what is Christ's word and what is it that we are called to preach? And there's, this is why the Romans road is important and critical. This is why the Romans road is essential. It clarifies the gospel message. The Romans road leads you to a right relationship with God and helps you understand why the world is the way it is. It also unveils, it also unveils God's love for the world. So this, again, is why the Romans road is so important and uh, why it's, uh, it helps, it, it, why it's important and, it, uh, and what you're going to see is that it clarifies the gospel gospel message. It makes it clear. So are you ready? Okay, here it is that I'm going to have this handout. I'm going to pass it out soon. But before I pass it out, it's not, the, it's not how I would like it because my printer doesn't print good on the uh, tough cardboard paper. But it's something. So, But before I pass it out, I'm going to go through with it so you're not just looking at, the, uh, <laughs> looking at it. But I am going to pass it out. So this is called Revisiting the Romans Road. You can download it for free over the next week at the Inspiration Fire online store. You go to brisbanefire.com. You can download it. I believe it's going to be in a package with a few other things like this message and the presentation as well as the video and then you can get this tool, this tool. Uh, and yeah, let's get into it. So you can get it at Brisbane Fire.
Com. So revisiting the Romans road. So there's some, some graphics there. You have the person with the map. Which way? This way or that way? And we're starting here. I, there's a few different ways to do the Romans road, but I try to keep it as simple as possible with four verses of Scripture. Now you could add more if you want. But this is a simplified version, bringing out the essentials. So we start with Romans 3.23, and the verses, I'll read it in the NIV. You could do this with any Bible, NIV, New King James Version, ESV, NLT, any Bible version. But this is my translation from this week. But I'll first read it in the NIV. And this is, this is what we read before. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I translate Romans 3.23 like this. For all have strayed from God's way and have missed the destination of God's radiant glory. For all have strayed from God's way here, what I'm doing is picturing, uh, tr drawing a picture through words of what sin means in Hebrew and Greek. And there's two specific graphic pictures that come to mind when we think of sin. And in Hebrew, there's actually a lot of words for sin. But the two, the, the two main graphic pictures are missing the mark like an arrow missing the mark or the target, and then also straying from the way, so departing from the way. And so God has a way, and Jesus talked about that way, and sin is straying from and turning from that way. So for all have strayed from God's way and have missed the destination of God's radiant glory. You could see in there, on the road, it says for all have straight. So that's the first one. And so what I encourage you to do is memorize these verse references, like Romans 3.23, and memorize the verses in your preferred translation. I taught Valerie how to memorize scripture when she was home. She had to memorize. Last week she uh, quoted that, finally be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Uh, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So she memorized it. She probably has it more word perfect than me. But she, she memorized that, and this is how we did it. We just start off phrase, we go phrase by phrase. For example, for this, you would say, for all have strayed, for all have strayed, for all have strayed, for all have strayed, for all have strayed. And you say it over and over, at least seven times, but you can say it like 20 times. For all have strayed, for all have strayed, for all have strayed. And then you add the next part, from God's way, from God's way, from God's way, from God's way, from God's way. Then you start in the beginning, for all have strayed from God's way, from all have strayed. For all have strayed from God's way. For all have strayed from God's way. And you keep on saying it over and over. Then you add the next part and have missed the destination and have missed the destination and have missed the destination like that. And then of God's radiant glory, of God's radiant glory. Then you start to piece it all together. But you just keep on saying it and repeating it over and over. Now, why is it important to memorize it? You've got to know it's so good so that when you're under stress or you're standing before a crowd, and you know when you stand before a crowd, your mind can go blank. You know, it even happens for me, and I have been preaching and teaching for so long, uh, well, not as long as some others, but and you get in front of people, and all of a sudden you start, well, what was that? And unless you have it, unless you have it really deep down memorized, you're not going to be able to recall it. So you want to get it down, and you never know when you're going to use it. You never know when you're going to be at a cafe with a coworker and you're just talking. And, you know, the person is saying, yeah, well, all people are good. Uh, and, you know, and you might say, do you know the Bible has a different perspective? And you don't, want to come, you don't want to come across rough. You don't want to come across like aggressive. But in a, in a gentle, 
approach, do you know there's a different perspective that God's word gives? <laughs> and that's that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, which means all have strayed from the way. And um, you can put it like that. But you you're able to recall it wherever you are. And that's why it's important to memorize it. And then when you memorize it, it's like you have that seed in your pouch. You don't know when you're going to sow that seed, but it's in the pouch and it's ready to go for the time when it's needed. And then you, oh, the Holy Spirit puts on your heart, prompts you. Oh, this is the time. Remember that? You memorized it a few weeks ago. Here it is. Share it now. And that's how you begin to share the good news. So next, the next verse is Romans chapter 5, verse 8. We'll move forward here. But I'll read it first in the NIV, and then I'll read it in my translation, Romans 5, 8. Uh, there, oh, I just want you to know, I'm not make, I don't want you to feel that my translation, I think my translation is the be-all or end-all. That's why I read with a few different uh, uh, translations. I, I just want to give you some fresh perspective of it. Verse 8 here, Romans 5a, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So I'll read that one more time. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, coming to the translation here. But because of his love, God ran after us to befriend us. Even though we were sinners straying from his path, the Messiah died on our behalf. So I'll read it again. And again, I'm trying to draw out the, uh, the visual picture of what's in the Greek words, especially this picture of befriending, of befriending, and also the picture of what the Lord has done through the Gospels. Uh, but because of his love, God ran after us to befriend us, even though we were sinners straying from his path, the Messiah died on our behalf. So here we are, we're straight off the path. We're stuck somewhere in the grass like this lady here. We don't know where we are. And the good news is that Jesus is not just on the path saying, hey, you over there, come back to the path. He is actually running after us and getting off the path, so to speak, through dying on the cross and identifying with us. And so he's coming into our area, our zone. He befriends tax collectors and sinners. And the, the religious ones are like, how could he do this? He's defiling himself by hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. No, what he is doing is he's not compromising, but what he's doing is he, he's going out to them and befriending them to win them back and bring them back to God's path. So again, I read this again, but because of his love, God ran after us to befriend us. Even though we were sinners straying from his path, the Messiah died on our behalf. So that's Romans 5.8. Now, I debated about whether to show you this, but because most of us here are mature, I'll show you the word that's used for demonstrate. So most uh, translations, you'll have this uh, kind of translation where it says, but God demonstrated uh, his own love for us, which, which is good. But I want to say that there's something more here in this word, which is sunistimi. Sunistimi. Sunistimi means to, uh, literally it means to stand with someone. So notice here, this is one of the most uh, regarded and respected lexicons of the Greek language. Um, uh, it's uh, the acronym is BDAG for this. But notice if you see two, it says that this word means to bring together as friends 
or in a trusting relationship by commending, recommending, to bring together as friends the idea of to stand with or to, to gather together. And this is a real important part of the overall message of the good news, that the Lord goes out of his way to befriend us. Are, are you with me? He's like, a, and it, there has to be a few different parables that Jesus gives to actually portray the good news. Uh, like you'll see this in Luke 15. I wasn't planning to go here, but Luke 15, we know the parable, he shares the parable of the lost sheep, then the parable of the lost coin and the parable of the lost son. Now, if we read just the parable of the prodigal son, the lost son, we may think it's all the son who, who does all the work, that he wakes up and then he turns back to the father. But Jesus also gives other parables to say that actually the reason why he was turning back is the shepherd was out seeking him and finding him. It's, it's both aspects that are important, and I'm sharing this to you because you're mature, if we had some more um, people who have never heard uh, the Bible before, uh, I might not get into the depths of this, but I'll read here Luke 15, 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were get all gathering around to hear Jesus. I like that, you know? His, his church was all these sinners, well-known sinners. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So notice how he's befriending and talking to them and not saying, get out of my face. <laughs> yeah, you get lost, right? Come here, come here, the ones with the nice robes and the moral lifestyles, come here. No, he welcomes the sinners and eats with them. Not that he doesn't care about the others too, but he really doesn't like their attitude. He really doesn't like their attitude. Uh, Luke 15, 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders <laughs> and goes home. Okay. So the picture is that the sheep is lost. Well, that is you before you're born again, before you're saved. Sometimes it's a picture of you uh, you have been saved, but somehow you start to stray from the path. Well, anyway, here's the shepherd. He goes looking for you. There you are. Bah, bah, bah. And what does he do? He's not just saying, hey, follow me. Uh, though th there's something more to that. He does say to the disciples, follow me. But the picture in this parable is, is something very graphic. He picks up the sh sheep, puts it on his shoulders, and brings them back to the fold. In other words, he does that work. And the reason why the prodigal son turned back to the father, of course it just, it's a story, but the reason why he turned back his father is not that he just became smart. It was because the shepherd was coming after him and picking him up and putting him on his shoulders. And then we see as the prodigal son is returning that the father runs after him. Not that the father says, oh, that guy, he wasted everything. He wasted all my money. He caused me so much stress. But that's not what he says. He, he sees him from afar. He runs after the prodigal son, and he embraces him. He embraces him. And, and a, the older brother gets upset because the older brother thinks he should, he should at least get, punish him a little bit, right? Not throw a party. Like, make him feel... Make him feel bad for what he did. Now, this is the thing about the good news. It's that God comes after us, and he's the shepherd. And also here is the picture of a woman. Now, also, the way Jesus talks about this, this could be like the Trinity. Jesus, the shepherd, the woman representing the Holy Spirit, and the father being represented in the parable of the prodigal son. But let's look at the... The next part there, the next passage, Luke uh, 15, verse 8. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? 
And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So there's great joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. It says one who, sinner who repents, so we tend to think it's our, the repentance is our work. But as Jesus puts us in this uh, graphic picture, it's actually someone who, re, who repents is someone that's been found by God, been found by the Holy Spirit, and that is the reason they repent. And we see this with Jesus. He, while we were still sinners, he died for us. Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. Are you seeing this? Are you getting this? Do I have time for a little sip of water? What, what Romans betray, portrays, sorry, what Romans portrays is God's enthusiasm and relentless love for the sinner. As you read the whole book of Romans, you'll see that God is enthusiastic. He's relentless in his love for the sinner, a passion that moved him to die on the cross for the sinner and who strayed from God's ways. A passion that moved him to die on the cross for the sinner who strayed from God's ways. So God's enthusiasm, his relentless love, his passion for the sinner. And he wants that in our hearts, that element of being evangelical, that is wanting to share the good news, desiring to make it known, being equipped every day to do it is something that is really critical for us because it's the only way the church is going to advance in Australia is if we're all equipped to be preachers and ready to share the hope that we have. But with gentleness, as the scripture tells us, with gentleness and respect for the person. Because I see all sorts of <laughs> preaching because we go in Queen Street Mall. It's not so much anymore but going into the Queen Street Mall, what you find is a lot of people are yelling at everybody. And uh, I, don't, I don't hear as much yelling, but it used to be for many years that the preachers were yelling at everybody. And that is not going to help anyone to get saved. I'm sure a few people may have been saved through that. But we have to also have the tone right, you know, the tone. The tone is a tone of, of love that comes from having the Father's heart for the people and this enthusiasm for those who are lost, straying from the path. You're with me here? So moving, moving forward here is Romans 6.23. And I'll read it again from the NIV, then from what I've been working on, Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you were memorizing that, for the wages of sin is death, for the wages of sin is death, for the wages of sin is death, and then you'd go on to the next part. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So now let me read it from here. Sin pays death. That's the consequence of straying from God's way or his way. Sin pays death. That's the consequence of straying from his way. But God's gracious gift is eternal life found in Messiah Jesus our Lord. So I'll say that once again, sin pays death. That's the consequence of straying from his way. But God's gracious gift is eternal life found in Messiah Jesus our Lord. So we've covered... Romans 3.23, Romans 
Romans 6.23, and here we're emphasizing the gift. We want to emphasize the gift is eternal life, and that eternal life is found in the Messiah. And I would also want to emphasize with somebody that it is a relationship, a true relationship with the Messiah that is the eternal life is found. It's in that intimate relationship with him that eternal life is found. So this brings us to our last verse here, Romans 10, 9. Romans 10, 9. Then, then I'm going to pass this out and share some more. Romans 10, 9. So I'll read it here and then... I'll read it from what I've been working on. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10.9, here's how I've translated it. If you change the way you're living and agree with God that Jesus is Lord. So here we're seeing also in the Greek is coming into agreement. The, the, the language is coming into agreement with God. So if you change the way you're living and agree with God that Jesus is Lord, trusting in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be rescued. You will be rescued. So I'll say that again. And we've had stop signs all throughout this, but now we have a yield sign. I have a picture of Jesus' resurrection. If you change the way you're living and agree with God that Jesus is Lord, trusting in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be rescued. So here's the importance of someone coming into that place of agreeing with God, putting their trust, surrendering to Jesus as Lord of their life. They're not going to be perfect as at first, but... There needs to be a, a repentance. But again, what I said is the repentance is not their work. It's God working in them. And this is why you need to pray for them. Pray that God turns their heart so that they trust in the God who raised Jesus from the dead and submit to Jesus as Lord. Martin Luther, I like what he says here. And this is based on Hebrews 12 too. He says, God creates faith in the human heart, the same way that he created the world. He found nothing and created something. Now this also, we need to be reminded of this in our evangelism. So evangelism is us, we're cooperating with God, the Holy Spirit is working through our lives. But also we need to remember that this is a miracle that takes place by God. God is the one who brings the new birth. God's the one who creates the trusting, the faith in the human heart. He uses the seed of the word of God. Through that seed of God's word, it's his word, not ours, but his word. And we share that seed and that seed produces that life in the believer. I mean, in the one who believes and, uh, and that, that very belief is a, is a grace that comes from God. So in everything, God is all in all. He's the beginning. He's the end. He is the pioneer. He's the perfecter of our faith. God, again, Martin Luther, God creates faith in the human heart the same way that he created the world. He found nothing and created something. So what does it mean for us here? We have to trust God to do the work. But we also need to join in praying for those who do not. There's a blinder over their eyes. They do not believe. We pray and we keep on praying until God does something. Now, the other thing that happened when that painter was in the house and I was a young, probably a young teenager, is I remember him praying with my parents. I remember him specifically praying with my parents. This is, I had no contact with any uh, believers at that time. Um, this is before like the Lord was really drawing me. But uh, be, even before that, the Lord began to draw 
uh, drawing. And, and what, I am, what I'm struck by with this painter is he used his business. He used his business to, as an opportunity to communicate with people about the gospel. That he had to take some guts and say, can I talk to you about something else? You know, that's really important to me. And sat my parents down and started to talk to them. And my parents did not know the Lord personally back then. And, and I remember him praying. And so here is prayer coming into our house. Uh, uh, a prayer from a, a believer. And he's praying. And I'm sure he was praying, the sons, let them find Jesus. And... And the uh, and Lord let let the George and Jill know Jesus Christ, and so he's praying, and that's what God used this man. And I this is why I believe I don't even know who he is. I just know him as the painter. He came to paint the house, and I forgot about him. I've, I haven't told this story too much. I forgot about him until I remembered that moment, that time, as I was praying about this message. And God used this man, who I don't know who he is, and, but he had the boldness to use his business to share the good news. Later, I met other Christians. And though I was fighting against everything that they said, I finally came to a place of surrender. But I fought. I really did fight. It wasn't like Glenn, Glenn came in like, yes, I came in kicking and screaming, saying things like, I'm already a Christian. Why do I need to? I already believe that Jesus is God. But it wasn't, I didn't uh, trust my life into his hands. I was not walking. I didn't come to walking into his way. Did you have a question there, Lily? To them, to the, to the man praying? I think they reacted very respectfully. Except the attitude was more like, well, he was into drugs and things like that, and God saved his life. That was good for him. But for us, you know, we're, we're decent people. Um, so that was the reaction. Then later, you know, I was in, back in my house up in that room. I would be praying. I'd get up at 4 in the morning, then 3 in the morning praying before I went to university and and God would meet, meet with me there, and the glory of God would fill the room. And one time I remember my mom, it's about five in the morning, she wanted to tell me something. And you may have heard this story, but she knocked on my door, and she said to me, this is after I was saved, she knocked on my door, and, she, and I, I, I felt like God was like really resonant in the room, like a cloud. And then as the door opened, it was like that, that cloud came out. And my mom knocked on the door, and she began, to, she began to cry. And this is why we also need the presence of God in prayer. She began to cry, and she said, but she said something like this. She says, I can't be saved like you're saved. I can't be born again like you were born again. It can't happen to me. I'm too far gone, she said. And this is the Holy Spirit beginning to work. But I said, Mom, no, you can. You can be saved. And then it was about a year, I think about a year or two later, where she responded to the gospel and really surrendered her life. And as you know, she became a fiery evangelist. So she was sharing with everybody. And, and, it was, and because, again, I shared this, but because she was so weak, everybody had to listen to her. <laughs> She's sick in bed. And people would listen because... But she still had that real, even though her body was sick, her spirit was strong. And she'd be sharing with the nurses and the doctors. We're almost finished here. And this is my draft of how I would translate Romans 10.10, 10, the next verse. And here I'm trying to bring out that in the verses, it talks about trusting as a, and this is what surprised me, as a passive it's a passive verb used. So normally you, you would use the active, and Paul uses the active after that, but this is a passive thing. In other words, God causes the trust, but both the active and passive are intermingled in this passage, but this verse 
the passive here. God causes your heart to trust, getting you on the right track. Then he opens your mouth confessing salvation. God causes your heart to trust, getting you on the right track. Then he opens your mouth confessing salvation. And I would say that, yeah, that happened with me. It, it, me kicking and screaming, uh, uh, fighting the Christians that were trying to share with me the good news, and then God caused my heart to trust. And, I, and then I, had, I was saying at Bible school, I had all the moms praying for me in the church. When I, finally, when I went into Pastor Dennis's church, and all the moms they were worried about this, this bad influence on their, uh, on their kids, this DJ. <laughs> uh, and we got to pray for this, this, uh, this young man. And they all began to, to pray and pray, and that's how God works. So if we're going to see more and more people saved, we're going to have to get serious about prayer. Every opportunity we need to pray. And when we see these impossible situations, we say, but God, and we pray for them, and we keep on praying. It is an old acronym. I didn't make this one up. Push, pray until something happens. It's like giving birth. Push, pray until something happens. So I'm going to pray. I've just put out, God, thank God, this Colossians, the mystery. You can uh, download it at brisbanefire.com, the Inspiration Fire online store. Uh, and this was just released this week. The good thing about the PDF copy is if you get the PDF copy and you download it, every time there is an upgrade or some type of revision, which Anna then took my manuscript and she, it's all, you know, she got to editing it. And so, I, so there'll be a, a, a 1.5 version coming out hopefully this week. But every time if you download it, from the store, it knows you downloaded it. And then every time there's an updated version, it will tell you there's a new download and you can download it for free after that. So that's at brisbanefire.com, Colossians, the mystery, uh, my latest project. And I could use your prayer that God uses this and it gets out there. And this was the verse that I read last week, Colossians 1.22. But now he has brought you into harmony with him. This is the good news. Just summed up. And Paul was reminding the Colossians of what God did. But now he has brought you into harmony with him. Hallelujah. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. So, oh, I'm going to pray. But before I pray, let me pass this out. Who's will Vanessa, are you willing to pass these out? Please? Thanks. Yes. Yes. Amen. Thank, thanks, Anna. That's really, really precious. Thank you, Vanessa. So as Vanessa is passing that around, I'm going to pray. And you can, take, you can take more than one if you want. If you want to give it to somebody, you can give it to somebody. Father, we want to thank you for the precious good news. We don't want to forget it because it is the power of God that brings salvation to people all people, the good, the bad, the ugly, we all need salvation. And I'm asking that we would be equipped this morning and take seriously sharing the good news throughout the week. We would use our social media. We would use our conversations. We would communicate it to our, the family that you must be born again. Jesus, those are your words. They're not our words. We didn't make up this thing up. 
It's coming from you. It's coming from the source. You must be born again. And unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. So put, this, put these seeds in our pouches. Help us to remember the word, to use these tools. And we're asking that through our lives, we would lead people to righteousness. And we realize that it's you're the one. You're the one who seeks after them. You're the one who saves them. You're the one that gives them a new heart. But we need to cooperate and pray and let, let your word be spoken through us. Sharpen our swords today. In Jesus' name. Amen.